Hey, hey, everybody. This is Walk on the Road with Sharo. Welcome to my podcast. It is January 1st, 2021. And yes, folks, we made it. Isn't this fabulous? We finally have left 2020 and it is the first day of 2021. And we just cannot wait as to what better things are in store for us for this year. So for my second episode, um, we are going to take your 2021 by storm by starting off with an interview with my good friend, mentor, and uh, a very inspiring person, Miss Stormy Daniels. All right. Good afternoon. It's still afternoon. And uh, this will be our episode number two, which is in a way also an episode one because it's going to be uh, launched on January 1st. So I have here the amazing Stormy Daniels, who is not only a fabulous educator, but she is also a wonderful, wonderful friend. And I love her so much because she is also my mentor. And uh, I truly appreciate this woman because she continues to encourage me to become better each and every day. And I'm very, very grateful for her talent, for her knowledge and for her humility and just for her kindness in uh, motivating and inspiring me to do better. So without further ado, Stormy, welcome to On the Road with Sharo. Go ahead, Stormy, introduce yourself to my fabulous audience. Hello, audience. Uh, As we begin, uh, I just want to thank Sharo for having me here you know, and sharing in her dream to expand knowledge across the universe. And um, I currently live in El Paso, Texas, at the same place Shadow does, because I'm sure by now we have a global audience, if it's episode two already, like, I'm sure we're reaching the far corners of the universe. Um, And so I am by profession an educator, I currently teach second grade. And um, overall, I say by profession because that's what I get paid to do. But even if I didn't get paid to do this, this is what I would do. I'm not a in education and focus on changing the way students and teachers and adults are educated just to get paid just because it's my job. I would do it anyways. In fact, I probably don't do what I'm supposed to do because I want to be a change maker. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. So that's who I am. There you go. That's enough proof why she is my mentor. You know, this, I mean, this fabulous woman, Stormy, is truly uh, going to continue taking year 2021 by storm. Absolutely. So Stormy, um, you know, it's still the early stages of my uh, podcast. So I came back to podcasting just for you to know, I've, I used to podcast before. But, you know, life changes, life takes its different turns here and there, and, mm-hmm. and our um, interest also expands. And in a way, I put my podcasting in the back seat. And then I realized after listening to Chris Nessie uh, from the house of um, EdTech, and also a big influencer, not only in New Jersey, because that's where he's from, but also globally, um, he triggered that interest to get back into podcasting. And I said, Oh, my goodness, more so now podcasting, I think, is a great tool uh, to use, because I'm connected to wonderful people like you, Stormy, and also um, 
you and I are connected globally, you know, to different people around the world. Isn't that crazy? Especially during this time where we are teaching, Absolutely. working uh, remotely. Absolutely. So, so uh, without, you know, just kind of let's just go ahead and go into the topic, which I think would be very good to share with our audience would be what was your experience? Because like what I said, this is just the second episode of my podcasting. And uh, we're still kind of getting over the year 2020. It's January 1st, right? And um, what were some of the memorable experiences that you have um, gone through in year 2020? So Year 2020, of course, started, I think, a year and three months. No, I guess a year ago today. I'm, it's still March 17th, 2020 to me, the last day we had school, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> in, in school, in school. Yes. And so I'm still back there because this this phase we've, we're in still is this bubble. I don't know. We're, we're really transforming like the energy, you know, and that might sound a little weird. We're really transforming the energy of our planet. Um, with knowledge, a knowledge base is really overtaking the planet, you know, all of the people that inhabit this planet. And that's why your podcast is an excellent um, need right now. We have to get positive and not just happy, positive, but positive going in the right direction vibes out there. Um, and so that's something that 2020 post-March has really taught all of us is that what we are allowing to come in is what we're going to put out. And so there's information overload and not just the internet. We've had that for a while, but when you're in your house and you have 15 sources of information coming in, you know, you've got to find a way to just keep moving and fill it with things that are going to feed your brain and feed your, you know, soul and your spirit and, and keep you know, replicating that to everybody you influence. And as educators, that is our the most important thing we can do is keep that energy going to our students. When we yeah. talk about engagement, it's not just about doing a fun activity. And yeah. this is in the classroom, remote, hybrid, blended, however we want to say it. It's not yes. about doing something really cool. I got yes. to, you know, spill things in beakers in the science lab. You know, it's more than that. It's letting kids know that they are part of this universal thing that we don't understand ourselves and that they matter, you know. And so in my classroom, even before uh, post-COVID now, I that was my goal every day is just to let students know that they mattered and that they didn't come to school to learn reading and writing. They learned reading and writing because they they had to make a difference in this world starting today and that they were the change makers that that we need now, not when they grow up, not when they go to college, not college career ready, but you're a citizen on this planet. What are you going to do? We need to communicate. So there's the emphasis on reading and writing and arithmetic that we were learning learning in school. And so um, my class was always student-centered, um, focused on the 17 global goals of the, mm-hmm. you know, UN Sustainable Development Goals. And so I tried to align it as much as I could with those goals and allowing students to find their purpose. And that changed throughout the year. And so when March hit last year, my students were already familiar with um, 
problem-based learning, and they were already connected to um, students and educators around the world, and they were already involved in things. So we really just kept going, right? And so to me, it was just, we were doing it from another location. We did Skype in the classroom all the time. Yeah. We, you know, did virtual field trips. We were connected on problems and projects that mattered and we were making a difference. And so my students last year, they were just doing it from home. And it really empowered the families to know that their students weren't just learning how to read, but they were learning how to read so they could, you know, communicate or spell well so they could get Siri to translate for them or whatever it was. Right. And so it really empowered the parents and I was able to personalize even reading instruction for those students and their parents. And you saw how much the parents care often in education. And I came into education as a PTA volunteer. I wasn't yes. supposed to be a teacher, right? When I ended my service <laughs> in the so army. Glad. I'm so glad you, you I, are I an educator now. <laughs> teacher, right? And I was flabbergasted when I found out that sometimes parents aren't part of the classroom. They're not part of their child's learning experience. Yes. They, they're at the door and I'll see you on parent teacher conference or if I have a problem. And so I always included my parents anyways, but this remote learning and learning from home and connecting the families really empowered parents. Now they see, like it or not, teachers, teachers see how their students are being educated. Teachers yes. see the important stuff. Yes. I'm not teachers, parents. Parents yeah. are seeing, you know, we have to weigh, you know, prioritize our family life when, when there's six kids in one internet connection and everyone's on at the same time. What's the most important thing my student needs to be doing? Yeah. Well, parents learned real quick what that was. And so I am so excited about that because when they go back, could yeah. be next week, could be next month, who knows when. Yeah. Those parents are empowered. Those parents will never again accept. Mm-hmm just what they got when they were kids. And not that we didn't get a great education, but there's more available to our our learners now. You know, there's more opportunities, there's more um, accommodations, there's more, mm-hmm. you know, differentiated style learning that needs to happen. And parents see that. And that's, and that's something I was excited for in the fall, right? In the, yes. In, in the, Spring, as we were spring, yes. last year, and I already knew the students. <laughs> yeah. And then this year started, and I yeah. didn't, I knew one of my students. I didn't know the rest of them. The rest of them were not familiar with student-centered environments. They had never worked in a group of students before, except to do a project. They had never um, collaborated before. They never had a voice before beyond yes. giving an answer. And yeah. so... I was like, whoa, I've got to figure stuff out again, you know, and every year you change again for your, the students you have, but we kind of dropped everything, not that we didn't do what we were supposed to do and, you know, foundational skills and everything. Of course we got the must do's done, but my focus really became first of all, and foremost, making connections with those students They didn't know me. I didn't know them. They didn't trust what this crazy stuff I was having them do. Just try it before I teach it to you. Just try it out. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They were very apprehensive and leery to take risks in learning. And I need them to take risks. I need them to reach their full potential, you know? 
And, and the it's only so amazing. That is- and it's so amazing, Stormy, because um, I've been in your classroom when pre-COVID. I've seen how your students are engaged. I mean, I still have seen, um, you know, how you um, turn around and um, apply uh, what you have um, got, you know, what you have learned from professional development. Um, and we'll call it, you know, uh, the foundational skills, right? You still have your f- whole group and then you send them off into small group setting. And then you have your own small group of students and you were teaching them how to read, right? So you were still doing uh, those particular, I would say, uh, structures, right? Because that is part of foundational skills. But what I also enjoyed so much in your classroom uh, was that you also gave a lot of room for your students to really explore. Um, you give them not only one challenge, but several challenges in the year. But it's so be- what's so beautiful is that you start small first, and then little by little, once you get to know your students, and once they get to know your style of teaching, uh, they easily adopted and adjusted to the kind of learning you want your students to experience, which is what I think in the adult world is what we're seeing, not only in, you know, fields like teaching, but more so in corporations, how people are being expected to collaborate, right? Truly collaborate with each other and uh, find, and you have, started with this early group of kids. These are not like, I mean, my experience has been middle school or upper elementary. Um, I've never taught really like first grade, second grade. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. That's your ultimate audience in the classroom. And you taught them just like the way I have taught like my fifth graders, my sixth graders, you know, uh, very, and, 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 and it's like, you would think, oh, it's, it's impossible with the lower grades to do that. But you proved us wrong by having them experience that. I think one of the most memorable things that I will never forget was when you asked me to participate in your outdoor activity classroom. That was Mm -hmm. awesome. And we were on the top of COVID at that time. So I just went to my backyard and recorded something and then shared it. And your kids too, they were one kid I remember brought out her, the uh, the shovel borrowed from dad, Mm -hmm. a shovel and the shoveling in the backyard. Another one was trying to dig because they found a worm or another form of insect. (laughs) So that was, that was amazing. That was really amazing story. So so we've always done outdoor classroom day. It's a global movement actually. Yeah. Um, Yes. So look it up, Outdoor Classroom Day. It yeah. happens twice a year. It's a global thing where you're taking your classroom outdoors for the day. But really, the goal is that kids are learning in their environment. Um, yeah. But that was the first time that parents got to take part in it because I couldn't go to each kid's house and set up their, you know, learning space. Yes. Fortunately, our uh, devices are portable and Wi-Fi yeah. reaches outside. <laughs> So they could take their iPad outside and it was such a rich experience when mom is digging with them or when they're running and is so excited because they found a bug and mom's like, ah, there's a bug. So, (laughs) you know, and not only um, showing parents academically what's important, but this year has really, because my parents knew me last year. Um, My parents knew 
because I instilled in them, trust me, this is this works. Your students are going to be in charge. Your students are going to have a responsibility. Your students are going to communicate, you know, and, and so I had to build the trust with the parents at first. So this year I had to do the same thing. And now parents are seeing students. We just finished um, the week before the holiday break, we finished international um, celebrations around the world, right? Yeah. So we don't focus on Christmas or a certain holiday. We celebrate, we um, study celebrations around the world and traditions, right? As part of a global society, how are we alike? How are we different? And, you know, students come to the realization that we are more the same than we are different. Yes. You know, we might speak a different language. We might have a different religion. We might celebrate something different, but we went, we had a, my teacher friend, Mohammed, Mr. Mohammed from Bahrain. Yes. Yes. Um, he came into our classroom and talked about the celebrations in Bahrain at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. And then he answered our reporters set up some uh, questions for him and he did a Q and a kind of like a little podcast with him, That's awesome. you know, and, then they traveled the next day to Nigeria with our friend Uche, an educator yes. in Nigeria. Yes, yes. Um, and then the next day we went to Argentina, right? And these are things we would have done in the classroom anyways. But my my parents, my students' families were involved. So I had a one student's father is a military veteran and so had been in the Middle East before. Yes. And so was familiar a little bit with Bahraini traditions and things. And he was so impressed that his daughter is learning from an educator and that educators actually care enough to, you know, connect. Yeah. And he was like, whoa. Right. And then we built El Paso in Minecraft and shared it with the world. And he the parents are blown away by what's possible. That's all I'm going to say. And. I hope that scares some educators because <laughs> parents will never again accept yes. anything less than the best for their students. Absolutely. And, and do teachers have to stay connected all the time? Do they have to, you know, do these, you know, higher level thinking questions at all times? Absolutely not. But you have to make connections with your students because they are people, right? That's and right. their families are part of the equation. Yes. And you know what? You touch a very um, important and sometimes it gets to be a very sensitive topic. Like earlier, you said, um, parents, why is it that they're always in the background or they're just pushed on the side? And we wonder how come as the children get older, we see less and less of them involved in their children's education. Well, what you have shared as an example, when you bring them in and they get to witness and see what um, their children are learning in the classroom, that's how you can truly, um, you know, make a big difference in educating them, if that is the right word to use, but also um, showing, modeling to them what the kids Mm -hmm. are learning. And I bet you when when the parents saw how you were managing all of that, Stormy, I bet they were all intrigued and they're so excited. Maybe even some of them are more excited than the kids. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. But I, I think we're, I, I know we're all in this together, you know, and that's why I became an educator in the first place, because 
not that my student, my sons were at the same elementary school where I started teaching, not that they didn't have great educators, but there was something missing, you know, yeah. and it was life was missing. Yes. Yeah. The classroom was the classroom and it had nothing to do with real life. It didn't matter how many cool regalia you bring into social studies class, mm-hmm. you know, connect it to what just happened, you know, two blocks away, connect it to, you know, what my family, what my paradigms are. Let me bring the culture to the classroom. You know, let me as the members of that classroom create the culture based on little bits and pieces of each of us, because that is the culture of the classroom. And if we do not recognize that, um, respect that, and we just think, oh, I like butterflies, so I'm going to put butterflies on my walls. Yeah. I'm, that's the culture. We are the change makers. We are the butterfly. And kids are like, that's cool, but uh, <laughs> what about us? Exactly. You know? And so it, I don't know. That's my goal anyways as an educator. So go. Um, that's what I learned this uh, semester. Yes. That you know, we didn't know how long we were going to be full remote. We didn't, we still don't, <laughs> you know, there's That's speculation. True. It could be tomorrow. Who knows? Yes. Right? yes. But um, we, we need to take advantage of the situations we're given, especially in our district in Texas, universally in our country, literacy has to be important. Yes. And it doesn't mean a test score. Our kids need to be literate. And if, if that's not the number one thing we're doing, nothing's going to help. All the STEM education in the world is going to engage our students. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if they are not literate, if we don't get our practice really well and start personalizing literacy instruction, you know, from early and then personalize how we uh, remediate, then we're spinning wheels. We can yeah. say reading first all we want. We can say House Bill 3. We can say mandatory this foundations lesson every day. We can say we're part of this grant. We can say, but unless we step back as educators and realize all of us are reading teachers. And yeah. I might be in eighth grade or I might be in first grade or I might be in fourth grade, but we can't just say, oh, they're the low kids. Absolutely. Because they're not low kids. They might've scored on a test and their test says they they read at a first grade level. They don't read at a first grade level. They're not literate because we haven't filled in the gaps. Correct. But their brains are not at first grade level. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't really be forced to read a passage on a first grade level when their brains, if they haven't been a strong reader, they have done something in these last 10 years. Instead of learning from reading, they've learned from speaking. They've learned from, you know, doing. They've learned in another way. So they do have the knowledge. And so one of my soapbox expressions is (laughs) my reading ability shouldn't be my learning ability. Yeah. So if I'm a fifth grade student and everything you give me is a passage, and you already know I'm a struggling reader, as you've labeled me, then you are setting me up for failure. Yeah, I probably have a very, very good 
scientific, computational thinking mind if you allow me an opportunity to show you that. Mm-hmm. So if we're not providing those opportunities, if we're just saying, well, RTI, let's let's push them through the chute. Yeah. <laughs> and we know what comes out of the chute at, at the, you know, chicken farm. Yep. <laughs> but I think we need to get really, really good and refine what reading is. The, the science of reading, you know, it's finally coming around again. Yeah. Um, and and so it has happened I, in the past. Uh, I recall uh, back in many years ago, uh, there was also a reading, there was an, a reading initiative, and now it's coming again this year. So right. they're focusing, the state is focusing on uh, the science of reading, sci- uh, yeah. which I think is also in a way helpful and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, the mindset of any teacher who wants they enter into that um, learning, right? And some, and, and there's going to be gaps too among the knowledge, the foundational mm-hmm. knowledge of teachers with regard to the science of reading. Some of them, um, because they've been in the classroom for so long and maybe have not been diving deep into research, right? And have not been updated in um, what's going on with regard to the science of reading may find or some things that may be new for them or something that may trigger something um, that they have learned in the past. And it's just being brought back and presented with, um, you know, a little bit of difference, so to speak. But um, we also have our middle of the road teachers and our young teachers who may not be very familiar with the science of reading. Uh, not all, some of them, and mm-hmm. this may be a good help for them, right. To be exposed to that. Um, I've been through like through the course, like I've started mm-hmm. going into it as well. And I know that eventually um, our elementary teachers will get to experience the science of reading uh, through what is being offered by, um, by, by our, um, by TEA, by the Texas Education Agency. And so I'm curious and I'm also um, looking forward as to what, what kind of learning experience the teachers are going to, uh, to go through. And you're right. I agree with you. Um, Science of reading, it's, there will be some things in there that we will be familiar with that we have seen before. And there may be some that are more technical uh, in terms of really understanding the foundational skills of reading. Um, But there are also some things there that, um, hmm, how will I do that in a virtual setting if we're still continuously doing it remote? Um, Just like let's bring it out here in the box, uh, guided reading or balanced literacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Guided reading is one of the aspects of balanced literacy. And it was designed primarily to be taught and learned in the classroom. It was not designed to be conducted or to be delivered in a remote setting. So I think it is a challenge. That is one of the challenges uh, from some teachers or for some teachers who cannot, you know, I guess, transfer what they can transfer in a remote setting and still be have that high level of engagement among students because they have been trained, right, and have developed a mindset and we'll call it somewhat a fixed mindset that 
this is how I used to do it in the classroom. So this is how I'm going to do it as well in remote. And it's a hit or miss, right? And and you can, I think, attest to that, Stormy. Have you done some changes on that with regard to literacy and how you have combined it with digital literacy? And I think you've cited some examples, but I just wanted to clarify that. Yes. So um, in the classroom, I was a third grade teacher. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, knew those third grade strategies and I knew mm-hmm. what they needed to know. And I knew, but then I went to first grade. Yes. And for anybody that's not taught first grade before, I'm just going to tell you, I didn't know how to teach kids how to read. Mm-hmm. I was a great third grade reading teacher. I had never taught a child how to read. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so because I'm, I don't know, I like to research and I like to, you know, look for the best practice, not what, let me pull the curriculum off the shelf, not pick up the basal reader, not what is being passed down to me, but I was put there for a reason. Our kids couldn't read and we didn't have the star test for or the teaks or when we switched yeah. to Stark. And so my beautiful principal at the time said, Oh, you're going to go to first grade and fix reading. I said, sir, <laughs> I've never taught a child how to read. No, but you're a great reading teacher. So fortunately in our district, we had um, a reading Institute before Meg Burke retired And we had some things where it was very traditional, but it was the basics of reading, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, (laughs) then I learned, you know, different things and how my kids learned to read the best. I knew it wasn't on a worksheet. I knew that kids filling in diagraph CH doesn't prove that they know when they see it in, in text. And so I did a lot and a lot of research. And, and then I thought I had a systematic way because they were reading, but even my systematic way of sex and phonics, not to use a brand, but, you know, my phonemic instruction was very structured and highly rigorous and they were getting it and they were great spellers. And then I kept researching and then I kept researching and then I kept researching. And that's what brought me to the science of reading is through um, Dr. Marnie Ginsburg of Reading Simplified. Mm-hmm. And so when I, you know, I saw a advertisement somewhere, free 14-day challenge, level up your struggling readers with three activities a day. Shoot, I've been doing 25 activities a day. Only three? <laughs> like, what do you mean do three things and, and, yeah. and they're going to level up? Yeah. Day by day by day, they're going to level up. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, why not? I can try that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so really, you let some things go. You have to let things go. We can't keep bogging down our kids' brains. Yeah, Rigor is not, let's throw one more adoption on their heads. But yet, oh, we like the way this worked before. So let's do that. Oh, and uh I did this when I was a classroom teacher 10 years ago. So we're going to do this too. And then we have this world of reading for our kids that nothing's connecting. Nothing is like, (laughs) you know, the synapsis is, is fried. Yeah. And so, you know, I I went through um, that 14 day challenge 
reading simplified three simple activities to do with the kids and the kids love it. It's kind of like, you know, game based and you do some manipulatives and then you quickly do this and you quickly do this. And it's like 15 minutes a day and it worked. And wow. Well, if it works with them, I wonder, and I just kept taking away something that we did in class and putting that in instead and taking this away and doing this instead. And then realizing the other stuff we were doing, well, why are we doing that? Yeah. That's why our kids don't have time to read. We teach kids how to read and they spend all day in reading, kill and drill stuff, but we never give them time to read. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so read of interest. I found yeah. time. Yeah. But ultimately then I started um, researching personalized learning, um, you know, way beyond differentiated instruction, personalized instruction. And that's, my goal is to personalize instruction for students because one day it doesn't matter if I'm a strong reader or not. I still need to be taught in the way that affects my brain, you know, and you can small group it and there's four different brains there, but you have to recognize, you know, you're going to personalize it for each brain and then you're going to switch that up and you're going to. So I really think as we get into the science of reading, I, I don't really think I'm really hopeful that as we, transform into this reading academy thing and we stay focused laser focused this yeah. is my optimism speaking that it's going to filter down to instruction where we're actually simplifying what we're doing yes because yes. even remotely i do guided reading with every student every day the you know balanced literacy cycle we do every student every day does it look different are they doing different activities absolutely Mm-hmm. Because it's personalized. I have five students in one group and there's three different levels in that group. And with the power of PowerPoint, <laughs> I can skillfully put things in there and they have no idea they're even reading something different because it's the same um, story or text just yeah. at different levels. So we read about, you know, cotton candy being inter- uh, invented by a dentist. Oh. We all read it. Mm-hmm. And the students didn't think they could read with these other students because they just are good readers. They think they were all sharing the experience and learning from the passage, the facts and bringing experiences to it at their level. And so I, I really think, and I'm really hopeful that as we study this, it's not going to turn into another way to do what we're already doing. Another name to put on it because we could call it blended learning, flipped instruction, um, you know, student-centered environment, active learning, UDL. We can call it all of these things. But if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's still a duck. You yeah. know, and we've been quacking and renaming our duck for a long time. <laughs> yes. And, and, I, and it's, that's you true. know, we're, yeah. we're getting better and we're, we're thinking, oh, we did, we did this training or we, did, we facilitated this learning. And we're like, feel like we're hitting ourselves in, you know, at the wall because why isn't it being, tra- why, what, where's, there's a misconnect. Like we've got to keep going. We've, we're going to keep going. We have to. Yeah. Change makers can't plant a garden and, and walk away. We've yes. got to keep, you know, we've got to keep tilling that soil. We've got to keep finding the best fertilizer, but don't change our goal. Our goal is literacy for all. 
Absolutely. And I love what you said about literacy for all, because, you know, um, again, your campus is so close to where I live and it comes close to my heart. It's in the north, uh, northeast side of El Paso. And um, you and I truly know the demographic right of our um of our of that of that school that you serve and that's also one of the reasons why I moved to our district I come from a district where I was serving a lot of affluent kids and I then came to the realization as to why am I serving that community when my own community where I live in needs a lot of help and so um that made the the final push to come over here. And it's not always, um, you know, sunshine and roses and butterflies in our field of work. Uh, you and I know that very well. And, and a few others, um, it's but just always... be, before we move on and I forget my thought Yeah, no, on no, that, no, 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 but you yeah. know, we do have a lot of labels on our demographic and we have a lot of, you know, reasons why yeah. they're not going to be successful. But this is what I say. Watch them. Yes. Yeah. Watch them. Absolutely. Those comets, Archie Duran comets, Mm -hmm. are the change makers in our district. Yes. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care how many, you know, fancy schools we put up and, 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 you know, and we need, we need that. But our students are the ones that are going to lead it. Absolutely. And, and the mere fact the that it's not are... even in place, but I know this. vision. <laughs> yes, no, no, I, I agree with you. And, and as, as long as we continue to give the students, like what you said, um, the opportunity to have really their authentic voice heard and give them the opportunity to really enjoy reading, right? Because that's what just what we were talking about. Uh, but also, if we are to mention other content areas, like in the field of science, let them truly experience true science the same way. Um, as soon as they're literate. Yes, as soon as they're literate. Because even though I my field has always been math, technology, <laughs> and science, you can't Wouldn't it be great that. if they were good readers first? Yes, they can't. You can't do that if you don't know how to read. And I tell the same thing to my middle schoolers. Um, you need to know how to read and because not all the time I'll be reading the passages for you or the instructions for you, for you to understand what you're supposed to be doing. There is power in being able to read and understand and make yourself literate and, and keep up, you know, reading, um, self-learning, uh, even amongst adults, I think we get to be you know, we feel um, we're creatures of comfort. So when we get to be comfortable, we don't want people to move our cheese. We just want to sit and stay there, right? But then that's when the danger of boredom comes in and you're doing the same thing over and over again. And after 25 years, 30 years, what am I doing? You're still doing the same thing. So I remember when I was an administrator of the campus, Stormy, I always tell teachers, which path or journey do you want to take? Do you want to be remembered in your legacy as a teacher who have taught for 30, 40, however, how many years, but doing the same thing over and over again? Or you are a teacher of maybe, what, 15 or less years, but every year, you do something 
phenomenal with your students. Every year is different. Every year, you yourself challenge yourself to learn. The same way you learn with your students, you're not just teaching your kids, but you're learning with them. So which journey will you take? Which will you be? And I leave them with that to reflect and to ponder. And and sometimes with that kind of talk, they change the way they treat the kids, the way they engage with the students, and the way they build that relationship with the students. And you can see it in the students too. They, they start to enjoy more being in that class, you know? So uh, going back to what we were talking about, um, you know, this coming year is going to be a brand new year, right? Uh, we start going back into, we don't know yet, like what setting we'll be in. <laughs> Are going to be fully remote, or are 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 we going to be asked to go back to the building? But what are your plans, Stormy? What are some things that you're thinking of, um, you know, uh, providing or 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 giving to your students? So, like everything else, and this is a good indication of this, right? Um, this COVID, if it taught us nothing else, it taught us you are in control. You don't control what's going to happen. That's right. The only thing you control is your reaction to it. So all I know that by May or June, we're extended year now, June, when (laughs) my students go on to be third graders and, you know, on their path to changing the world, they are going to know that they are the ones that have to change the world, not to stress them out, but to light their fire. Right. And so that's what I know. I, I I know when they leave the classroom, they're going to be epic. Right. Yeah. And so whatever's going to happen, it's going to be epic. Do I know the details? Do I have the plans? Do I know exactly? Absolutely not. Do I think I know? Well, I, I think we've have some structures into place because, you know, you want to think forward as you're planning for learning. Um, and refine it along the way to best serve the students. And so I've refined our systematic learning environment, you know, um, in such a way that that's not going to change. The things we do, the, the, you know, schoolwork, classwork is going to be the same. We are blessed in our district of innovation. Let me say it louder. We are (laughs) blessed in our district of innovation that every student has a device, I'm going to say we are blessed that during COVID time right now, they don't have to turn those devices in. Yes. This opportunity, this silver lining is shining so bright for our students. They got to get personalized instruction, focused instruction. Everybody had to get attention because we had to reach out to them. Um, And they get their own device. They have the power of the world's knowledge in their hands. And not to do a digital worksheet, but to be empowered, to be, you know, and so to create and to produce something. I'm excited when we go back, we are able to go outside and dig a hole together, (laughs) (laughs) play in dirt. And that seems simple, but it's more the connection that some students need that they're missing. Yeah. Across the screen, you can only do so much. They're missing that sense of responsibility. They're missing that sense of, I have somewhere to go. Just like humans across this planet who are out of work, 
they're really losing that scent, that drive, that motivation. They've had to find things to motivate them or, you know, that's why we have a high suicide rate amongst adults in our country right now is because we don't, our purpose, we don't see it. We don't see that, that will to keep going. I've got to go to work. I've got to, I've got to get up. I've got to go. I've got to, I've that, you know, it's a human instinct to keep going. That's That's what keeps us alive. Yes. And so I think the students need routine and structure. And as much as we've instilled that, they really need human connection. Yes. Yes. I don't care if that means we're we're on different parts of the playground, we're going to dig holes and we're going to, you know, go outside and find butterflies and look at our new school being built. Have you seen our new school? Yes. yes. (laughs) It is beautiful. I keep on passing by there. Uh, As I walk around the block, it is gorgeous. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for it to finish. (laughs) Yeah. So our plan that we have a plan to um, we move some of our student centered active learning challenges to the fall to better serve them. But we kind of put some on hold until mm-hmm. the spring. And so we're going to be doing some cardboard STEM challenges. We're going to be doing some, you know, vertical learning. <laughs> I miss vertical learning. Where we stand <laughs> on the board and scribble on the wall and we have a protocols for that and, yes. and interactive and game based. We're still going to do this. I mean, yes. it's it, social distance or not. We're going to be engaged. Students are going to be, you know, empowered to be in charge. Yes. Not that there's a boss, but they will have their roles and responsibilities. They will feel like they own the classroom, a classroom they haven't even been in yet. And rightfully so, rightfully so. Students own those classrooms. They do. They do. And And sometimes some adults forget about that. (laughs) When we initially go back, we will most likely be, you know, some at home still and some in the class still, but that's okay. We are not changing what we're doing. Our groups are not going to change. Yes. Um, Our guided reading groups are, they've already formed a connection. They're missing a big piece and and we didn't form those bonds as quickly as, you know, but that's okay. We, our bonds were were made stronger because the struggle of connecting we had. And so we found other ways. And so we're not going to, lose that learning. Mm-hmm. We're not going to say, oh, well, we're back in school now. You know, get in the rows and listen to me. I'm I'm the center. I'm right. here's my teaching podium. Listen yeah. to me. I'm the know-all. No? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Never again good. will I be that teacher. No. I might not be able to yeah. be in education if we go back to that, but <laughs> I will never, ever, ever be yeah. the sage on the stage if I ever That's was. Right. I don't know. But right. I, I can't. Yeah. There's no value in me teaching phonics to 15 students. Yeah, that's right. There's value in me empowering them to be autonomous and to be responsible and to have a purpose in doing my fluency journal every day, in doing whatever spelling little practice I have. Yeah. Their purpose for doing that is to communi- be better global communicators. Correct. And so in order to communicate globally with our teacher, Miss Uche in Nigeria, we, we're going to speak with her students. Yeah. They're learning English. Yeah. We are the teachers of English. There we hope go. to learn some of their language, you know, but really that's not the goal. The goal is connection and communication. 
Yes. If I can communicate well in my native language, I can speak with anybody. Yes. Thanks to the power of technology. And that's the power of technology we need to leverage. Yeah. Not can I send 50 copies of this worksheet out and have it auto grade, but can a student speak eloquently, formally in the academic language mm-hmm. in such a way that their idea in science translates to the idea in science for the student in Sri Lanka? And they're able to collaborate on a project that gets that ocean out of the sea. I'm sorry, the ocean of the sea, the plastic <laughs> out of the ocean. But I gotcha. So. I got, I got that. But man, so such inspiring words, Stormy. So um, we've reached the end of our short and sweet conversation. And of course, this is not the last time that you're going to be here. I hope you're going to come back when I send you an invite again and we can, because there's just so much to talk about. And I think with our vast experiences and maybe we can bring Uche in. Oh, or our, yeah, I mean, Mr. I think, Muhammad? yeah, Mr. Muhammad from Portugal. Yes. And we can have a five-way yes. conversation and just talk about, you know, what are the um, really significant um, goals and differences you're making in your place of work at your school with your own students in your country? I think that will be phenomenal. And I think a lot of our fellow educators here in El Paso will truly appreciate hearing it from international educators. And they'll get to see and get to understand how fortunate we are here in the United States to have what we have. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, Stormy, any last words before we part? (laughs) Um, Let's see. This is when you have this profound knowledge and it all comes back to you and your brain goes blank. Um, if I could leave the audience, I w- thank you for allowing me to be here. It is an, truly an honor and I'm humbled to be asked to be a guest on your podcast. Um, if I could say one last word, it would be to, like Dory says in Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. Even though you may not know your exact purpose, keep driving forward, regardless of the noise around. Just keep going, stay focused. You are going to be taking the path that's going to lead you to your destiny. You're going, regardless of which path you take, you're going there. So just keep going. Yes. Don't allow the mud that's going to, you know, get bogged down with paperwork, people, you know, production. Just keep going, keep going, get out of those weeds, keep going, and take your students with you. Yes, don't forget the kids. Don't forget the kids because they'll be your big support. So thank you so much again, Stormy, and Happy New Year to you and your family. And thank you for being my guest. It's been an honor uh, to have you as my first guest, yay, in my podcast. Thank you. And I look forward to tuning in and being inspired by your professional learning network as well. (laughs) Definitely. And we're going to keep on, and again, promise me, we're going to bring in our international friends and uh, we can connect and do another uh, group podcast. Absolutely. We'll have an international episode. You tell me when we can make it. (laughs) They're ready. Okay. Well, thank you, Stormy. You have a good Happy new year. Happy new year. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye.